well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with me on the program today. Now, I know that I said that uh, Rob Dwarf from the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus was going to be with us today, uh, but apparently having some uh, scheduling difficulties. So we will talk with the uh, good folks from the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus here in the uh, near future, I promise you. But we do have plenty of other things to talk about today, including this bizarre piece from NBC News headlined, a gun influencer conspired to illegally import machine guns. He still has a home on YouTube. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, apparently after you're convicted, I guess you lose your First Amendment rights too. Talking about uh, Larry Vickers, who, uh, of course, uh, pleaded guilty not long ago to uh, uh, bringing in, uh, importing machine guns illegally. As uh, David Ingram of NBC reports, his admissions of guilt have done relatively little to dent his profile on YouTube, Facebook, or any of the other internet platforms that help make Vickers famous within the online gun community. He's still posting updates to his fan base of 415,000 followers on Facebook while he awaits sentencing, and the hundreds of videos featuring him using various machine guns are still available on YouTube. Okay, so... And <laughs> what do they expect YouTube to take down every one of his videos? Do they expect Facebook to bar him because he pled guilty to a crime? I mean, if that's the standard going forward, holy cow. Uh, I mean, it can't just apply to Larry Vickers, right? It has to apply to everybody who's been convicted of a crime. Should they lose their social media platforms as well as their freedom once they are sentenced? This is absolutely insane to me, but uh, I don't think this was coming specifically and solely from NBC News. I think the gun controllers had a hand in this story. Uh, as Ingram writes, as of a few days ago, YouTube was still running pre-roll advertisements on Vickers' videos, according to a review by NBC News. On Friday, after questions from NBC News, YouTube said in a statement that it had suspended Vickers' YouTube channel from its paid partner program, meaning that the channel could no longer make money on the platform. YouTube cited a policy requiring paid creators to remain responsible online and offline and avoid behavior that harms others. Companies said such behavior by paid creators is rare. Uh, quote, if we see that a creator's on and or off platform behavior harms our users, community, employees, or ecosystem, we may take action to protect the community. Policy says pointing to, quote, fraudulent or deceptive behavior as one example. Now, I, yeah, I, my question is, so how do these videos harm the community and this this is where the gun controllers come in ingram quotes every town for gun safety uh which he describes as an advocacy group that opposes gun violence as opposed to an advocacy group that opposes gun ownership yeah called on youtube to enforce its own policies against vickers and other creators of gun content. Justin Wagner, senior director of investigations at Everytown, said in a statement to NBC News, quote, YouTube is a cesspool of violent and irresponsible gun content. And here are his examples. Videos that teach civilians military shooting tactics or whose sole purpose is to glamorize fully automatic weapons of war go far beyond educational content for responsible civilian gun owners and shouldn't be permitted on YouTube's platform. Now, let's break that down for a second. According to Everytown, 
unless there is what they consider to be an educational component to these videos, they don't think it should be online, right? And of course, we know what their idea of gun safety is, so <laughs> we can only imagine what their idea of educational content is, right? Don't own that gun. Not that one over there. Oh, yeah, by the way, don't own that gun over there. Uh, here's how you destroy a firearm in compliance with ATF standards, right? That, that's, I guess, the educational content that they're talking about. Look, shooting is fun. It is an activity that is enjoyed by millions of Americans across the country, right? We've talked on this program before about high school trap shooting leagues, fastest growing sport in many states. The Minnesota High School Trap Shoot League, their championship last year, had over 7,000 participants. Uh, in New York State, you're seeing dozens of schools adopt their own trap shooting programs, uh, although it is not a sport that is officially recognized by the uh, New York High School Athletic Association. Should be, but it's not. And then, of course, again, you've got you know millions of Americans who just enjoy recreational shooting. They don't shoot competitively. But they love to go out with their family or friends and, you know, send a few rounds down range. There's nothing educational about that, per se, if they take a camera along and they post their videos. It's just showing, again, the entertainment value of the shooting sports. Because if it wasn't fun, people wouldn't do it, right? And that's what groups like Everytown hate. As we've talked about with Chuck Michelle on this program before, there is an effort not just to destroy our ability to keep and bear arms, but our ability to promote this right. You know, you've got efforts in California to shut down gun shows, even though no firearms are actually exchanged at a gun show in California thanks to their 10-day waiting period, right? They just don't want gun owners around talking to one another. You had the uh, law in California that was aimed at, supposedly aimed at, uh, preventing minors from being enticed into buying firearms illegally, right? But it was written so broadly that you actually had junior shooting programs shut down in the state of California because they worried about the fines, the tens of thousands of dollars in fines that they would be subjected to if they so much as, you know, hung a banner with a sponsor's name uh, during one of these, uh, you know, junior shooting meets. So there is very much an attempt to chill the First Amendment rights of Second Amendment advocates. And every town's examples of the uh, cesspool that is YouTube are a perfect example of this, right? They don't want you to have videos showing training tactics if they consider them to be military shooting tactics, right? And by the way, who gets to decide? Who gets to decide whether or not this is a uh, a tactic that is suitable for civilians or, or really only limited to, uh, you know, active duty military members? They're not happy with YouTube making that determination, right? They want to be the ones to determine whether or not a particular video gets posted online or remains online or is allowed to be monetized. And anything that they find objectionable, and again, we know how much that might be, they think should be yanked off of the platform, certainly demonetized, right? So the uh, creator of that video can't make any money off of it. But ideally, they want to push that to the sidelines, push it into the shadows, and eventually eradicate 
our First Amendment right to speak up in support of our Second Amendment. NBC News uh, tried to reach out to Vickers and his attorney. Um, didn't get a comment. Uh, Ingram writes in posts on Facebook and Instagram after his guilty plea, Vickers thanked people who had stood by him and said he accepted responsibility, writing, I own my actions and understand the consequences. Big boy rules, as many of us, myself included, have said in the past. Ingram says some of Vickers' fans reacted to his posts by criticizing federal law enforcement or the existence of the laws restricting machine guns in the first place. A website dedicated to firearms, Ammo Land, has denounced the prosecution, saying the government wants to, quote, imprison a decorated American soldier for a series of victimless crimes, which, by the way, is accurate. This is a victimless crime. Now, whether or not you think that these gun laws are ridiculous, they should be struck from the books, or you think that, uh, well, gosh, I mean, why should anybody be allowed to own a machine gun? Who was the victim here? There were no victims. In this case, uh, Vickers pled guilty again to illegally importing machine guns, a violation of federal law, but one that, again, is, in fact, a victimless crime. So I don't know why NBC News is taking such umbrage at Amelan's assertion when, in fact, it's exactly what this prosecution is. Again, I can't help but think that NBC News was carrying every town's water for this story, not only because of the extensive quote, Offered, but the entire viewpoint. If they're not carrying every town's water, well, then they reach the same anti gun conclusions as the uh, anti gunners at every town all on their own. And frankly, that might even be more troubling. Now, let's turn our attention to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will start there with a case out of Salt Lake City, Utah, where a suspect in a sexual assault, as it turns out, could have been behind bars when that sexual assault was committed if he had not gotten leniency on a previous violation. This is from KUTV in Salt Lake City. 41-year-old Marcos Reyes, charged with attempted rape, forcible sex abuse, and resisting arrest after officers pulled him off of a woman that he was attacking on Main Street in Salt Lake City in early February. Channel 2 reports an investigation into his past criminal offenses shows he might have been in jail right now for violating the terms of his probation on a past sex offense if a judge had not given him a lighter sentence. Now, in this most recent incident, Reyes is accused of attacking and forcing a woman to the ground on February the 8th, downtown Salt Lake City, pulling her pants down and brutally assaulting her. Court documents also show that Reyes was convicted of sexual battery in June of 2021, after police said Reyes shoved his groin into a woman who was shopping at a Target in Salt Lake City. Third Circuit Court Judge Diana Gibson was the uh, judge in charge of that uh, prior case. She gave him leniency, first by lowering his 365-day jail sentence to just over four months, giving him credit for time served, and then granting him 24 months probation. Uh, Chris Bertram is a former deputy police chief, says prisons have less beds than they did because we want judges in the criminal justice system to be kinder, kinder and gentler, right? So low-grade offenders uh, like Reyes often, again, get that slap on the wrist. They're sent on their way. But again, the, 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 the stick comes with violating the probation, right? So we're going to give you a break on the front end. But if you violate the terms of your probation, well, then we're going to show you how serious we are. That That's supposedly how the system is supposed to work. 
As Channel 2 reports, Reyes violated his probation within two days of his sentence by absconding. In May of 2023, his probation officer wrote to the court that Reyes had, quote, never stepped foot in his office. At that point, he had racked up eight separate probation violations. The officer said, hey, what we need to do is terminate his probation and we need to send him back to jail to complete the entirety of that 364-day sentence. Now, Reyes ended up getting arrested in June of last year, but Judge Diana Gibson, instead of sending him back to jail, released him from custody and, quote, allowed him to walk free with time served. So, that promise of consequences if you violate probation never materialized. In fact, the opposite happened. Reyes repeatedly violated his probation. He was arrested. He was brought before a judge. And the judge said, you know what? No big deal. Go on. Get out of here. Channel 2 reached out to the judge to ask why Reyes was released from custody when he never complied with his probation, which also involved completing mandatory sex offender therapy courses. So it wasn't just a matter of, you know, pee into a cup. Are you looking for a job? Uh, are you, you know, staying on the straight and narrow? He was supposed to, again, be showing that he took responsibility for his actions, that he was trying to complete the therapy that would hopefully prevent him from uh, or allow him to uh, stop his impulsive behavior going forward. Never went to a single class. And that didn't matter to the judge, who, by the way, didn't bother responding to Channel 2 when they reached out. So, Channel 2 uh, took to the streets of Salt Lake City and asking uh, folks what they thought about this. Molly Smolin, a person walking on Main Street where the attempted rape occurred two weeks prior, said it's a horrific incident. I used to work down here, and I do feel like things have gotten a lot more dangerous. Uh, Christian Messenger, another guy walking down the street, was asked if he felt safe walking around the day. He said, well, yeah, during the daytime, but not at night. Marco Reyes, meanwhile, now being held without bail, the most current charge of attempted rape, uh, in the past conviction, Channel 2 notes, he was evaluated by the jail to be a significant risk of reoffending to the public, which again, apparently was completely ignored by the judge who had the opportunity and the responsibility to ensure that Reyes faced consequences for his previous crimes. Because that did not happen, Reyes was out on the street instead of behind bars where he should have and could have been. And again, another one allegedly victimized by Reyes in a sexual assault in downtown Salt Lake City. Now, today's armed citizen story from Roseville, Michigan. This is a weird one, I got to tell you. Here's the headline. Roseville police say woman shot niece in self-defense. The shooting victim likely to be charged with attempted murder and arson. The headline is weird enough, but it gets even stranger when we delve into the details here. The uh, Macomb Daily reports that a dispute between a Roseville woman and her cognitively impaired niece resulted in the niece being shot in a case of self-defense over the weekend. This happened on Saturday at an apartment complex there in uh, Macomb County, where the two women lived together. According to police, the 63-year-old aunt shot her 31-year-old niece once in the neck after the aunt was attacked. 
The knee's taken to a local hospital where she was at last report listed in serious condition. Police Chief Mitchell Berlin said the shooter's been released as we are treating this incident as a justified shooting. Uh, Berlin said the detectives believe the aunt in this case uh, was the victim, that the woman who was shot was the aggressor, and she is expected to be charged with several felonies, including assault with intent to murder as well as arson. So we don't know all of the details that led up to this shooting, but it does sound, again, like the niece, cognitively impaired uh, as she might be, um, tried to kill her aunt, and her aunt uh, was forced to act in self-defense. Uh, she has been questioned by detectives. Uh, authorities say that the aunt remained at the scene of the shooting, was cooperative. The suspect, meanwhile, being held under police guard at an area hospital. Again, not a lot of details here. Some some pretty key questions left unanswered at this point. We'll see if more information emerges. Uh, but a very, very strange situation that, you know, again, sounds like very easily could have led to the loss of an innocent person's life. Um, not the circumstances. You know, listen, there's never a good time for your life to be in danger, right? Doesn't make it any better if it's a stranger as opposed to a family member. But um, when your life is threatened and your life is on the line, you do have the right to self-defense. Even again, if it is a family member who is trying to kill you. Finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, is willing to do the right thing. Uh, three teens in Ohio who saved a man who had fallen and had been stuck in his home for three days at that point. Here is the uh, gentleman in question, along with his uh, eighth grade heroes, Cale Kramer, Leland Newmeyer, and Cooper Tegmeyer. This was back on uh, January 19th. There was a, a snowstorm in the uh, Butler, Ohio area, and uh, Kramer, Newmeyer, and Tegmeyer were going door to door. Knocking on, uh, uh, you know, doors saying, hey, can we shovel the snow off your walk, off your driveway? I didn't realize that kids still did that. I think it's fantastic. So they got to a house uh, owned by a guy named Butch Stringer. They knocked on the door. They realized it was open. The TV was on, uh, but nobody answered. So Leland Newmeyer looked inside and he saw Butch Stringer laying there on the ground, very weakly calling out for help at that point. So the three teens rushed inside, uh, learned that Stringer had fallen and had hurt himself. When they couldn't get him up on their own, they called 911. Um, they gave him some water. He was dehydrated. Uh, the boys later learned that Stringer had fallen three days before they found him. And he had been laying there ever since. Um, officials with the Arcanum Butler Local School said this act of awareness and service simply put, saved Mr. Stringer's life. But Stringer released from the hospital, and uh, he and the boys reunited this week. School officials wrote, his story of survival and the assistance that the boys provided is a heroic act that will forever be remembered by everyone involved. We could not be more proud of these three young men. So again, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, while just trying to make a couple of bucks for spending money. Gail Kramer, Leland Newmeyer, Cooper Tegmeyer, we thank you, and I know that Butch Springer thanks you for your very, very good deed. All right, that is about all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I do want to encourage you, however, 
Uh, check out BarryAndArms.com throughout the day. We're keeping you up to date on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. You know, state houses, uh, most states have their legislative sessions underway. We are watching what's going on in Louisiana. There's actually a special session taking place this week on public safety. It looks like this is going to be the session where they move constitutional carry. Uh, and fingers crossed that we don't have a situation like what ha- has happened in South Carolina where you've got competing bills and uh, you know disagreements between the House and the Senate that could end up putting a kibosh on the whole thing. Right now, that does not appear to be the case. Uh, Senator Blake Miguez is running the Senate version of constitutional carry. Representative Danny McCormick is running the House version. Senator, uh, excuse me, uh, Governor Jeff Landry uh, has already said that he is in support of constitutional carry. So it should be smooth sailing in Louisiana, but you never know. Uh, but we are definitely paying attention to what's going on in Louisiana in terms of that good bill. We're also watching bad bills in places like Minnesota, where hopefully we'll be able to talk with the folks from the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus about uh, semi-auto bans and more in the days ahead. And yeah, we are still keeping our eyes on the courts, too. Uh, you know, not only do we have these cert petition requests pending before the Supreme Court regarding Illinois' ban on so-called assaultments and Maryland's uh, quote-unquote assaultment ban case, uh, Bianchi versus Brown. But, you know, the lower courts are considering Second Amendment cases every day. Some of these are challenges brought by Second Amendment groups. Some of these are challenges brought by public defenders who are representing their clients. Um, but the courts are extremely active right now in terms of Second Amendment litigation. We're covering all of those cases for you, as well as the legislative updates and, of course, armed citizen stories and more, uh, including, by the way, stories about the criminal justice system. Where, you know, yesterday we had this story out of Illinois, for example, where the uh, mayor of the village of uh, Dalton, Illinois, in Cook County, has apparently been so profligate in her spending that uh, most of the town's police fleet is in danger of being repossessed because they haven't made payments. They're about $76,000 behind. Meanwhile, she's advocating for all kinds of gun control laws, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on her own personal security staff. While the state of Illinois makes it uh, incredibly difficult for residents of Dalton and everywhere else in the state to exercise the right to keep and bear arms. And now apparently they can't even rely on the police to protect, them. not as individuals, because we know that the police don't have an obligation to protect us as individuals. But it sounds like they're being uh, uh, hindered in terms of even being able to protect and serve the community at large. So we've got a lot of information for you at Barrier Arms. I encourage you to check out the website throughout the day, constantly updating with new information and new posts from myself, Tom Knighton, and our contributors. Again, BarrierAndArms.com. If you like what you see, I would also encourage you to become a VIP or VIP Gold member. All you have to do is go to BarrierAndArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP or VIP Gold membership. As I was saying, thanks for showing your support. We're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else because your support really does make a difference and it truly does matter. So thank you again. We'll see you back here tomorrow with another edition of Barry and Arms Cam and Company. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.